Good morning, Minecrafters, and welcome to episode 53, Mindful Giving and the Importance of Generosity. You know, it's just so incredibly important to be generous, and I think that sometimes we just hold back. I think, uh, like anything, you know, fear, not anything, but many things, fear can get in the way. So it's about, you know, monetary giving, donating, doing anything that involves output of cash, right? You might be, you know, afraid we're not going to have enough, um, you know, and and we're also talking about not just money or, or donating things or stuff, you know, but also giving of ourselves authentically. And, and again, fear gets in the way sometimes. And it, it's like we picture the universe as, you know, a, a pizza or a cake or something, and that if, you know, if we give up a slice, that that's less for us when in reality, it's the exact opposite. You know, the universe, all the abundance out there, it's not like a cake or a, or a, or, or pizza. It's, it's, it's infinite. So, you know, us taking a slice does not mean that there's less for other people. And us giving a slice does not mean that there's less for us either. And, you know, there's such a, a, a close connection or tie with mindfulness. And I, I think you, you all know at this point what a big JKZ fan I am here. You know, John Kabat-Zinn, he's, the, you know, one of the great masters of, of mindfulness. And, you know, he just, there, he talks about this nine, actually originally there were seven attitudes of mindfulness. And he expanded it to uh, include gratitude and generosity and there's it's such a huge connection because sort of the feeling is is can almost be surreal when we truly, you know, kind of give ourselves over to to generosity and you know authentically giving of ourselves. And John, you know, talks about how powerful it is when we give ourselves over to life and when we, you know, give to others in a way that you know kind of fills a need and, um, you know, fills them up and, and even, uh, you know, contributes to their happiness. And, you know, uh, John talks about one of his books, which is really good, by the way, wherever you go, there you are. Mindfulness meditation in everyday life. Uh, he's just so amazing. He talks about generosity, you know, as being another quality, much like patience and letting go and non-judging. These are all uh, components of mindfulness, of course, and trust. Um, you know, generosity provides a solid foundation for our own mindfulness practice and, you know, incorporating this into our lifestyle. And John goes on to say, you might experiment with using the cultivation of generosity as a vehicle for deep self-observation and inquiry, as well as an exercise in giving. He says, a good place to start is with yourself. Now, wow, I think a lot of us know you know, how difficult it can be to give to ourselves. And then he goes on to say, see if you can give yourself gifts that may be true blessings, such as self-acceptance or some time each day with no purpose. Right there's a big sentence. And in this day and age, you know, we're, you know, flying around like gerbils on crack and to actually carve out, you know, 15 minutes, you know, at the minimum to have no purpose to just, you know, kind of, Putter, puttering's an art, right? My grandfather used to putter around. Puttering around, you know, creating that white space to just 
to just be, to just be in general and, and just be in our skin and just observe this, you know, amazing life around us. So important. And then he talks about, uh, he says, practice feeling deserving enough to accept these gifts without obligation to simply receive from yourself and from the universe. This is huge. You know, so just to kind of, you know, break this down a little bit, because he's in just a tiny little paragraph. John Kabat-Zinn has really offered us a, a ton of wisdom here. And it's just, you know, very tangible, everyday life kind of wisdom. So when he talks about in exercise and giving, you know, I think of exercise, right? We think of running and weightlifting and, you know, constantly having these chats with my Minecraft students, you know, I picture the brain, you know, kind of lifting weights and, you know, exercising the brain. And that, you know, this is also true, you know, emotionally and spiritually too. So we have to, we have to kind of have, have an idea, just like when we go to the gym or when we go out for a run or ski or whatever, have an idea, you know, of, of where we are, you know, where we, where we are with it and where are we with our ability to give? How hard is it? How easy is it? Where in between might it be? What situations do we find it easier to give? And in what situations do we find it really difficult to give? And this is good to have sort of um, this awareness of our own, you know, sort of generosity meter, I guess, you know, our ability to be generous because it can be very difficult for some people. And there, and certainly certain situations um, can be difficult as well. And, you know, when he says a good place to start is with yourself, that to me, it's like that old, you know, my cliche, you know, or simple yet profound. That's exactly what that is, because I think many of us, that sounds so easy. Many of us have a really hard time giving to ourselves. And I'm thinking, especially as a parent and, you know, and, and specifically a mother, because I, I do think it's different for women. I think there have been, um, you know, generations and generations of, you know, messages that it's something wrong or, uh, you know, selfish to the nth degree, you know, for carving out an ounce of time for yourself, never mind actually, you know, giving something to yourself or splurging on yourself with a lunch or a new outfit or something like that. There's definitely, especially in the, in the smaller kids range, there's a lot, you know, just, I remember it. I just felt it, all these messages. And then, you know, you find yourself rationalizing, 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 you know, how it was okay to break free for 45 minutes and go do something or, or, or splurge and bust out of the budget, save for, you know, a very frivolous massage. And sometimes after all that rational, rationalizing, it was like, oh, was it worth it kind of thing. And we really kind of, it's a good idea to just really try hard to shift out of that, you know, stingy with ourselves mindset, stingy with self-care, stingy with generosity to ourselves and shift into, you know, again, hashtag self-care is not selfish and hashtag give to yourself. Those, they're just so important because when we feed ourselves and keep ourselves filled up, obviously, you know, that kind of rejuvenation, I, I, I picture like, old faithful, your guys are just, you know, flowing. Then we obviously have so much, we're overflowing with all this energy and therefore have way more to give to other people. 
you know, John says, you know, the gift of self-acceptance, that's huge. I mean, we could do probably an entire podcast series on working towards self-acceptance because that's, that's deep for a lot of people. A lot of people are carrying around a lot of shame and guilt and, and things that just keep them, sadly, keep them away from self-acceptance and self-love. And, uh, and then he says, you know, so setting aside some time each day with no purpose. Hey, that's really hard. I know all too well, you know, when the kids are little and gosh, I loved, loved being home with my five amazing children, now young adults, and still, you know, to wrestle with, you know, taking 15 or, or 20 minutes out for that hot bath with candles and a glass of wine at night was, you know, a challenge at times. There's no, there's no question. Never mind carving out, you know, an overnight with the women friends. That took a lot of planning. We ended up we doing it. We did it about one when all of us had little kids. So it took so much planning. It was once a year before Christmas time. And I look forward to that, like breathing oxygen. I'll tell you that right now. You know, and again, even without the going anywhere, the doing anything, it, it, it can be every bit as important, like John Kabat-Zinn says, to carve out even 15 minutes a day, which will feel really long. I do it. It's, it seems it's not easy for me either because it's, you have to kind of schedule like a dentist appointment, like we said in previous episodes. If you don't, the time, you know, your valuable life minutes will just kind of, you know, slide down the drain. We have to prioritize ourselves on that level. You know, again, if we had an achy tooth, we'd figure it out. We'd get to the dentist. So if we prioritized ourselves, you know, even at a small level, again, 10 or 15 minutes a day with no purpose, you know, stop yourself from doing those last two dishes in the sink or, or throwing one more load of laundry in or checking that email one last time. You know, really, really do like a self-check in that moment. Why am I doing this? And, and am, I living, am, I, am I living deliberately or am I living on autopilot? Am I checking my phone because I'm bored and I've become in a habit, which is what it is, of filling up my life minute, filling up my space Filling up space by just sort of unconsciously or let's say semi-consciously checking emails 150 times a day and checking my phone notifications just in case somebody, you know, texted something. Who cares? Shut it all, you know, just to shut it all the way off and, you know, challenge yourself. Maybe even start small. Five minutes. No checking the phone, no checking the email, no throwing in laundry, you know, or just if you're if you're at a, you know, if you're physically at work. Hide in your office, hide in somebody else's office, hide in the bathroom, hide on the roof, anything to take those five minutes, hopefully increasing to maybe 15, and create that white space, just that vacuum of, and I'm not talking about thoughtless because we're talking, you know, with when we practice mindfulness, as you know by now, it's not about a thought vacuum, especially for those of us who land along the spectrum of attentional difference, we'll just say. That just can let it all in. So we're not judging that. We're talking about just creating white space. If thoughts roll by, we say, okay, there went some thoughts, fine. But to just be, to just be wherever you are. And if you're fortunate enough to be on your back deck or in the garden or something, that's that's all the better. Um, the point is, though, John Cabotin is saying, is to take 15 minutes with no goal, no purpose, no anything, and try that for today. And and See how you do. And I think about you probably may more than likely have to have to check, do the self-check through that. Why am I being pulled to this, pulled to that? Why am I resisting just 
being. Ask yourself this. And, and then John continues to say, he said, see if you can be in touch with a core within you, which is rich beyond reckoning in all important ways. Let that core radiating its energy outwardly through your entire, well, let me start over with that. Let that core start radiating its energy outwardly through your entire body and beyond. Experiment with giving away this energy, giving away this energy. Don't hold back. I love that. In little ways at first, directing it towards yourself and toward others with no thought of gain or return. That is really important because that's truly, in in essence, what authentic giving or mindful giving is. It's not with a goal or looking to get something back. It's just freely giving of, of yourself. And if, if you need kind of an exemplar or a visual, see if you can go find a four or five year old to follow around for a day or even a half hour, because this is how they give. They just give of their entire selves. Obviously they don't have any money. They don't have anything else to, they just genuinely just jump in the game with you. Um, and they can be great if you need a, a kind of refresher course on generosity and authentically giving. And then uh, John continues to say, he says, Give more than you think you can, trusting that you are richer than you think. I love that word, trust there. Trusting yourself, trust that you are richer than you think. Celebrate this richness. Another word I love, celebrate. Celebrate this richness. Give as if you had inexhaustible wealth. Give as if you had inexhaustible wealth. This is called kingly giving. I'm going to go with queenly giving. And, you know, I think just like like many things, I'm, a, I'm very visual and I'm all about just envisioning, um, you know, these these good things happening. And I'm actually just coming to my mind right now is uh, a really old Jim Carrey inter- interview when he's with Oprah, my dear friend, as you all know, she just doesn't know. And he's really young. It was before Dumb and Dumber. And he did this visualization, just pretended, kind of pretended or maybe not pretend, believed. Let's say that's better it's authentic, believed that all of this was out there in the universe waiting for him. And he was driving up and sitting on over an overlook, I think in Hollywood and just kind of picturing, picturing his acting career and picturing being successful and picturing the few connections he'd already made. And then he actually wrote himself a check for millions of dollars, wrote himself just and put it in his wallet. And he said he carried it around for, I think, two or three years and just envision, you know, just envisioning. I, I, this is already happening. This is already happening. And that's when he got the call for, uh, to do Dumb and Dumber. And it was for the amount of the, whatever the millions, uh, you know, were on his on his check. And I, you know, just that amazing, just you know, believe it. And not just, not just telling yourself because you can't really trick the brain. The brain be like, yeah, right. You don't really believe that. You don't really feel that confident. You got to feel it. Feel like you already have it. Feel like you've got it to give, um, you know, uh, the way John Kabat-Zinn says, give more than you think you can, trusting that you are richer than you think. Just believe it and then celebrate this richness. You know, and obviously there are all different ways to be wealthy and obviously our physical health for ourselves and our family, top of the list, right? So just, you know, if you've got, you're struggling with any health issues, you know, picture, picture this, picture yourself wonderfully healthy healthy in every way, family members, healthy in every, every way. And relationships wise in general, we know, again, this is the, the, 
box to check, the number one box to check for longevity in life, optimal human functioning and life satisfaction is our close, positive relationships. Just picture yourself with, with just wealthy beyond belief with relationships. If it's a partner, you know, that, that, that you really would like to have and then, you know, put all that out there, celebrate all the richness, who you are, everything you have to give to the world. You know, as far as these, you know, relationships go, which again are the number one for a long, long positive relationships, we release the toxic like toxics like helium balloons, positive, positive relationships. And John stresses how important generosity is for this because generosity is kind of this outward expression of this need for connectedness we all have. And it demonstrates that to others, to other people. So it's kind of this big collective thing which is just great. It demonstrates it, you know, this, this connectedness, this outer expression that we all need and want and have each other, which is very, very, very cool. You know, and, and we're, we're showing outwardly that we're, that we care. Again, this can be a donation or something, but we're talking about spending time actively listening, um, carving out time to be with a child, a young adult child, a partner where we're We've got a, a million other things to do at work. I mean, just a million other things to do. We unplug the drug, the technology, the, the phones. In fact, I'm thinking of an example that was just yesterday, actually, in uh, my Minecraft class. And I had two of my young adults, um, I'm going to guess 19-ish, you know, we were sharing. We were on the subject of social media, actually. And then one one was brave enough to say, oh, I don't want to you know, kind of throw my, my, my mother on a bus, under a bus. She said, but you know, we're eating dinner as a family and, you know, mom jumps on her phone when we're all having dinner. Then dad jumps on his phone and, you know, she's like, you know, she's saying, Hey, you know, you're supposed to be spending time with us and think about the message. And then actually two other students chimed in after that. They were very apprehensive of course, of course, at first, cause they love their mom and love their dad or their dad and dad or mom and mom and whoever. And at the same time, they're very, they're hurt really is what they could, because the behavior itself, the behavior of having the phone on during dinner or during a conversation or during a walk, or even if you're sitting on the couch with another person, that very behavior says, at least in this moment, what I'm doing with this phone is more important than you are. That's what it says. And no matter how we cut it up, it doesn't mean in the big picture. We know we love our kids and young adult kids in that moment, because as the old cliche says, actions speak louder than words, right? So if we're on our phone, ignoring our partner or a young adult child or little kids in that moment, it says, I am valuing this phone more than you. That's it. Bottom line, true. You know, when it comes down to it, it's about giving, you know, time and energy and thought to someone other than ourselves and this again what we do for others we do for ourselves right so it's a win-win it's a it's a win-win even neurologically speaking because whenever we do anything for someone else even if it's as small as opening a door or or actively listening in a conversation there's a dopamine fix for us there's a feel-good fix you know maybe the universe's way of you know um incentivizing us to do good things for people i'm not really sure but there is a a dopamine fix in it and we just know spiritually you know, you know, Gandhi was big on that. I'm obviously paraphrasing enormously, but, you know, if we're feeling blue, you know, get out and do something for someone else, anybody else just, you know, 
random acts of kindness. I'm a big fan of conscious acts of kindness. A planned act of kindness is a good thing. Just, you know, go out and do anything for anyone. And it's just such an overall win-win situation. Never mind if we think globally, you know, if we could pick one day out of the year or at exactly, you know, whatever time across the world, everybody did one small conscious act of kindness. Just, you know, we could even spin out of orbit. Who knows? It'd be just a, such a fantastic, fantastic uh, thing. You know, I'm, I'm thinking before we even go another inch here, how important it is to realize you know, the difference between mindful giving and mindless giving because mindful giving is genuine and authentic. You know, it's just freely given, no goal. Um, and, and that's gotta be, that's gotta be real because sometimes we think we don't have an agenda or we think we're not looking for something back when in reality we often are. And if, when we do that kind of repeatedly, that's, that's mindless giving. And we can know the difference pretty quickly because mindful giving energizes us. Mindful giving is life giving to the part to both the giver and the recipient. It's it's a it's a big plus. It's a big charge. It's a big, you know, it's a feel good. Whereas mindless giving is the opposite. It takes energy. It's depleting. It often causes resentment. And so, you know, way back when we were um, having our discussions in this Minecraft podcast about uh, codependency, this very topic came up as well because um, it, there are plenty of plenty of people. It's very very common, and for the most part, due to things that happened in childhood all the way up through, develop these habits as adults of people pleasing and I'm going to say compulsive caregiving. Obviously, caregiving is a good thing when it becomes part of our you know, that's when we're kind of seeking it out for our self-worth and that's no longer healthy, right? Uh, and we can know, let's say I'm picking, I'm going to just an example, you know, a mom, let's just say an elementary middle school mom flying around in her minivan, you know, running herself into the ground, taking on everybody's kids whose parents are, are at work and driving to the everybody everywhere for baseball games and and dance or whatever else. And, and being that person who stays and cleans up every single time after the PTO's function, at, you know, and, and being that person, you know, sort of constantly. And, sh- and then she's like, well, nobody appreciates me and just starts to, she might not say it, but she's thinking, you know, what am I doing this for? Right. And we're not saying don't be a good person. That's not the, that's not the theme here. The theme is to really look at the motive. Is it a genuine, authentic, you know, wanting to bake brownies for every single PTO meeting, or is this more about seeking out external approval? Because if that's the case, that's mindless giving, you know, and that feel good thing, that's all ego driven stuff. It's not authentic at all. And it can be very confusing because we get a lot of praise for it. Oh, isn't she amazing? Isn't she amazing? Isn't she amazing? She might be amazing, but she's also really burnt out, pissed off and resentful that no one's you know, that she's walking around feeling used and abused and like a dish rag who no one's, you know, noticing. And um, even if they say good things to you, that that wears off pretty quickly. If underneath, you know, you're, you're not, you know, sort of genuinely feeling that appreciation. And again, the need for appreciation is the ego. So uh, it's just important to really um, be ha- have this awareness, I guess. And again, it's, it's pretty easy to tell. You can tell how you feel. You feel charged and excited, um, or you feel emotionally drained and, and depleted. 
you know, and, and that's the difference between mindful giving and mindless giving. Now, you know, so back to the authentic giving, right? Um, John Kabat-Zinn says it's important to notice what holds us back from this. Again, we said it earlier in the episode that often it's fear, which often, you know, we know holds us back from lots of things. And he says to try to, to try this, he says, try to notice the resistance to this impulse to give. Again, we're talking about mindful giving. Notice the resistance to the impulse to give, uh, the worries about the future, the feel, the feeling that you may be giving too much, or the thought that it won't be appreciated, which we just talked about, be appreciated enough, or that you will be exhausted from the effort, or that you won't get anything out of it, or that you don't have enough yourself. He says, consider the possibility that none of these are actually true, but that they are just forms of inertia, constriction, and fear-based self-protection. That's good. That's really good. Um, that's really good. We're going to come back to that in a second. These thoughts and feelings are the rough edges of self-cherishing, which rub against the world and frequently cause us and others pain and a sense of distance, isolation, and diminishment. Giving sands down such rough edges and helps us become more mindful of our inner wealth. By practicing mindfulness of generosity, by giving and by observing its effects on ourselves and others, we are transforming ourselves. I love that purifying ourselves, discovering expanded versions of ourselves. That's excellent. I also um, definitely join forces with John Kabat-Zinn and the use of the word cultivate. I love that word. And also living in northern Vermont, surrounded by these beautiful farms, which very soon are probably, maybe they're already, I don't know, we still have snow on the ground, but the, um, you know, turning over the dirt and they look so pretty at every stage when those all the symmetry and it's just, and oh, it's just gorgeous from the beginning to the end, how the farms look once they, once they get going and the cultivation of the growth and the nourishment and everything cultivating, you know, stands for this abundance. It's just such a good word. And so um, when John talks about the cultivation of generosity, he says this, he says in the mindful cultivation of generosity, it is not necessary to give everything away or even anything. He says, above all, generosity is an inward giving, a feeling state, a willingness to share your own being with the world. I love that. Again, think of the four-year-old, you know, just jumping in. If they see another child or sibling, you're really upset and crying and they just all of a sudden stop what they're doing and they just, uh, they just sit and be. Uh, most important is to trust and honor your instincts, but at the same time, to walk to the edge and take some risks risks as part of your experiment. Perhaps you need to give less or to trust your intuition about exploitation or unhealthy motives or impulses. We talked about that, right? Remember our, 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 PT, our PTO mom example, and obviously that can be anybody, male, female, or anywhere in between, when we just need to question our motives. And, and we can be so in that in the in that mode of that in that habitual autopilot that for somebody who's kind of a died in the wool people people pleaser might have to really kind of stay with it and stay committed to, to checking on themselves along the way with that because those habits can be can be strong when they've been reinforced for so long and absolutely can be undone. Awareness is the first step for sure. 
And then John says, uh, perhaps you do need to give, but in a different way or to different people. I like that. Perhaps most of all, you need to give to yourself first for a while. Uh, again, it comes back to, you know, being the giving tree at the stump level. You know, those of you who listen to me through numerous episodes, the giving tree is my least favorite children's book ever. It could be the only one I don't like, honestly. Um, but again, it should be called code codependency for kids, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, if we're used to being that stump and used to being everybody's everything all the time, think of those words. It has me exhausted just saying that sentence. We, it may take, again, it may be an uphill lift for a little while, but it can be done. Small little baby steps to give to ourselves, and then be conscious, maybe even journal about it. You know, this was really hard for me today, but I took 15 minutes or I said no to somebody who I care about because it was too much and, you know, whatever. And then he goes on to say, uh, John goes on to say, then you might try giving others a tiny bit more than you think you can, consciously noting and letting go of any ideas of getting anything in return. You know, and here's another thing that, you know, I frequently discuss with my Minecrafters with different context or, you know, topics of discussion is uh, grit. In fact, there's a good book out there called Grit. And this is, I'm not taking this from there. This is just, you know, in general, I think we know, you know, it, you know, basically in the world in general, what we practice, we get good at. What we put effort into is what will be successful, whether it's our relationships, it's our career. Doesn't see those doesn't mean those have to be mutually exclusive when there's balance, but it's what we you know effort into the garden. It's gonna it's gonna you know be be prosperous you know that sort of thing, and it's it's not different with you know investing in an, you know a lifestyle of generosity and gratitude, um, and it takes effort. It takes it like you know awareness and then say oh I'm gonna start this conscious conscious decision, and it comes also back to deliberate living. Because we walk around making decisions all day long, active ones and passive ones. So obviously the passive, more autopilot ones are not always in our best favor. And we can kind of, you know, slide through life with valuable life minutes circling the drain, you know, never to return again. Or we can make active decisions, which lead us to, you know, deliberate living and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do something today. I'm going to give, give something today of myself. And so John Kabat-Zinn says also to just make that choice. It's kind of like the Nike commercial, just do it, right? And he says, initiate giving. Don't wait for someone to ask. See what happens, especially to you. You may find that you gain a greater clarity about yourself and about your relationships, as well as more energy rather than less. Absolutely. Remember the difference. You know, your mind fully giving when you feel the charge. He said, you may find that rather than exhausting yourself or your resources, you will replenish them. Such is the power of mindful, selfless generosity. At the deepest level, there is no giver, no gift, and no recipient, only the universe rearranging itself. And this is a, you know, also a, just a lovely place, very natural I think, uh, transition for all of you to go start your day generously and with gratitude. So we'll end here, and I will say thank you, Minecrafters, across the United States and world for spending your life minutes in this way. And uh, that's it. 
This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from Northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.